0: Pineapple Radio is presented by Chase Sapphire, the credit card that helps you earn more so you can explore more. Like us, Sapphire believes in the power of exploration for finding new sources of creativity and inspiration, even while staying at home. Learn more by visiting chase.com slash sapphirebeyond. Hillocks, a writer, industry advocate, lover of all things culinary, and this season's Pineapple Radio host. Pineapple Collaborative is a community of women who love food. Whether through digital events, original content, or our new women-made pantry product line, Pineapple is all about celebrating women and food. Pineapple Radio invites women we pine for to discuss the ideas, brands, and movements changing the food world's landscape. From policymakers to chefs, from the culture of agriculture to entrepreneurship, and from food media to food banks, you can listen to past episodes of Pineapple Radio over on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This season of Pineapple Radio is presented by Chase Sapphire, the credit card for those who want to explore more in the world of food, whether at home or abroad. Today, I'm excited to chat with Moonlin Sai of the Lower East Side Kopitiam and Yvette Leper bueno of Vinateria, located in Harlem. Both women quickly pivoted their respective restaurants' ways of working due to COVID-19. We'll speak about these transitions and how they both embraced community with compassion at the forefront. First and foremost, both Moonlin and Yvette, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to dive in. This is obviously my very first uh, episode with Pineapple (gasps) Radio. So, really, really excited to have you both as our guest today. Thank you so much for having us. Congratulations
1: on your first episode.
2: I'm so excited. It's great to be with you again, Nika.
0: Awesome, Bye. ladies. Well, um, you know, I have a series of questions here, as I mentioned. So I'll just go ahead and start the conversation. You know, we are, are in <laughs> the season of COVID nineteen approaching for some of us, nearly six months. And I'd love for both of you to respectively give me a snapshot of both of your restaurants, um, Copatiam and Vinateria. What did it look like prior to COVID nineteen manifesting here in New York City? And Moonlin, if you want to go ahead and start, that would be
1: great. So Kopi Chiam, we had a really beautiful past two years. And especially last year, I feel like we opened two years ago. And first year, it's kind of rocky. And then second year, you're kind of finding your footing. And so I felt like we were at a really good place where my business partner and I, we were almost at the brink of being able to just kind of step back a little bit. Right as we were about to, you know, bring in a general manager, COVID hit. And so... (laughs) It's been really hard, you know, with most restaurants where we were thinking about expansion, you know, our future plans, but within the first two months of COVID, everything was wiped out. So it's been a very difficult transition for us at Kopitiam.
2: Thank you. And Yvette would love to hear your point of view. Oh, absolutely. Vinataria is my baby, my passion project. Um you know, I want to infuse caring and a sense of purpose into, like, every aspect of the restaurant as I possibly can. Um, Finitoria has always been about connections, and it's been about bringing people together. Um, since 2013, we've built and grown this little neighborhood restaurant offering a Spanish and Italian-inspired menu, pastas and entrees, alongside this award-winning uh, wine list comprised of small and treasured wine producers. Um, the opening months to 2020 were just amazing. The year came in with a bang. We were seeing some of our highest winter sales to date. Vinateria was bustling with diners and large party celebrations that were kind of even booked out through June with birthday parties and graduations and even some small weddings dinners were like planned um and then in early march i recall being excited about planning our anniversary it absolutely blew my mind that i had a restaurant that had survived and like thrived for 7 years um then there was mounting news about the virus, and then the World Health Organization declared a pandemic on March 11th. Um, right after that, Governor Cuomo announced that restaurants would need to reduce their seating capacity by 50% in attempt to control the spread of coronavirus. And then a few short days later, it was mandated that restaurants in New York cease all of their dine-in operations. Uh, the news was super jolting, um, and really gave little time to prepare. But of course, we, we really understood how important the stakes were. Um.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for that overview. I I love that you both kind of shared this um, almost at the apex for both of your restaurants, respectively, and where they had been prior to COVID-19. And, you know, we're going to talk about now the... In infiltration of the virus, so to say, right, mm-hmm. uh, in New York City here. And one thing that I observed was that you both pivoted pretty quickly, at least from the naked eye via social media, to uh, feeding your communities, um, Moonland for you, kind of Chinatown and, and Yvette and Harlem, respectively. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us what you observed within these regions and how they were initially affected by the virus? You know, I think it's so easy for food enthusiasts and those who frequent restaurants to really honestly sometimes get their point of view via the media and then their, you know, frequent visits. So I'd love to get a sense of the neighborhoods, knowing that you both have spent um, so much time there as a a community uh, restaurant.
1: Sure. So in Chinatown, we were already feeling the looming, like the looming fear of COVID in late January. Uh, My mom, she lives in Taiwan. So every so often, she would message me and ask how New York's doing. And at that time, I didn't see a big change. But I had noticed that Chinatown itself was slowly business was dying down. And I think it was end of January when restaurants that my girlfriend and I would frequent, they were shuttering. And it wasn't even a temporary shutter. They were shuttering because by then Chinatown had become desolate. It was like a barren land where just a couple weeks before it was so busy. Uh, Chinese Lunar New Year's, which is a huge celebration in our culture, had to get postponed and then canceled altogether. At Kopitiam, we were fairly lucky. We're a Malaysian restaurant, but we do have influences of the Chinese cuisine in it. But I feel like since it's a very underrepresented cuisine, a lot of people kinda they didn't see the Chinese aspect of it. So a lot of the xenophobia and racism that caused a lot of the restaurants to shutter in Chinatown didn't affect Kopitiam as much. We saw our sales dip maybe by five to ten percent at that time. However, by mid February it was Chinatown was done and uh, the markets were shutting down. The restaurants were shutting down and it was really sad. So at that time we were like, what can we do for Chinatown? Um, We started, you know, trying to post as much as we can for the restaurants that were still there. A lot of these restaurants they're owned by multi-generational elders who aren't able to speak English or who don't have a connection with social media. So then we're like, okay, why don't we go and try and see what we can do to help? Um, But then the mandated happened. Kopitiam and all the other restaurants were mandated to shut down. Um, We can operate as a, you know, to-go, carry out. So then at that time, we had to pivot really quickly. So we started making frontline healthcare meals with uh, Rethink New York. And also separately, my girlfriend and I, we started a emergency relief efforts called Heart of Dinner. So during this time, it's been really, what can we do to offset sales by not only focusing on meals? So it was a lot of retail and we furloughed our entire team, but whatever sales that we were making during that time, we go directly back to the team. So we were able to pay them out every week. Um, So it's really been like keeping us on our toes and just trying to figure out how to pivot and what we can do for our community as well as for the business itself.
0: I love that. Yvette would love to get your perspective.
2: Agreed that it kept us on our toes. (laughs) Um, Honestly, there was no way to properly deal with COVID. Closing and maintaining a staff, it all just happened like in the blink of an eye. And I have a really close-knit restaurant culture Um, I have members of my team that have actually worked with us since the first day we opened. And I think part of the reason why this is, is because it kind of boils down to trust. Um, They know that I'll always try to be as transparent as possible with them. Um, But honestly, there really weren't comforting words to be had in the face of such uncertainty. Um, I truly felt a sense of responsibility to them. And honestly, with with a heavy heart, um, I recall telling the team that they could leave for the night. And furthermore, that I I truly wasn't sure what the future would hold. Um, The next day, I woke up, spoke with my husband briefly, and then ran to call my mother and um, through our conversations, I realized that I felt a deep sense of obligation to remain, um, remain in New York City, even when I I saw so many people fleeing, um, and remain open as a restaurant. Um, Tom, our wonderful general manager, agreed, wholeheartedly, And he let me know that he was up for the challenge and that I had his support. Um, And hearing that really meant a lot to me. Um, And it was very comforting. We took the rest of the day to perform a like ultra deep clean of the restaurant and ready ourselves. Um, And we'd provided everyone with PPE and you know, that was when we began taking temperatures of folks entering the premises. Um, and we immediately shifted all of our business to takeout and delivery. And honestly, it was not an easy feat. Um, we have been so focused as a restaurant on creating um, memorable dining experiences within our restaurant. And this was such a foreign concept to replicate the Vinatoria experience at home. We didn't have a lot of things and there, it was a tremendous learning curve. Um, But fortunately my POS system had um, an online ordering platform in it and we got started just prior to the new year. So we had a little bit of experience with what it would take to, packaged goods and what it would take to, um, send things on their merry way. But honestly, there was, there was a huge learning curve with that. Um, and then, and then shortly after that, we partnered with world central kitchen to prepare more than 25 notes, 250 meals, which all had to be out before noon. And honestly, before we knew it, we had a flock of clients willing to order from us online, which really surprised and delighted us. I mean, honestly, Harlem has been wonderful to this restaurant.
0: That's awesome and, and an amazing testament to, I think, being able to pivot from as you mentioned, those in dining experiences, but uh, now being able to offer them in in the regulars or maybe some of the newcomers in the space. Um, Yvette, you had mentioned kind of how you prepared your staff at Moonland. I'd love to pivot back to you because you did have to furlough your team, but I would just love to understand some of the preparedness that you and your partner may have taken in, in terms of, not only just physically, mentally, but how did you get yourself ready for uh, the shift in the very beginning?
1: <laughs> I feel
0: like during that time, it was just, you
1: know, on your feet, really quick decisions. Um, our team, it's 90% high school kids. And then the other half, they're a little older. So six, mid 60, 70 single women um, from Asia. And so it's two of them more... Uh, susceptible demographics for COVID. And so it was really important for Keo and I, my business partner, that we make sure that our team was looked after. And, you know, it's, we're at an age where (laughs) energy is depleting a little bit, but there was that excitement also of kind of, okay, we can do this between the two of us. Let's run it bare bones and see what we can do. But it was very, very important also for the both of us knowing that You know, our young team, they are amazing. They're 15, 16, 17. A lot of them are the sole providers for their families. A lot of them come from low income, no income. Uh, Parents are handicapped. So it was very, very important for us to try and push as hard as we could to make sure that even when everyone's in social isolation at home, that they didn't have to worry about not getting a paycheck. And... So then Keo and I, we decided to run the restaurant between the two of us from, it was 10 to 2, and then we took a little break and came back for dinner, 6 to 8. And then during that time, it was just saying, what can we do right now to really push this? And so I worked really quickly on selling our coffees uh, retail. We didn't do that before. So I worked with a designer who was amazing, and he donated the design for the coffees got those packaged up, started shipping them, um, tote bags, sweatshirts. And our community throughout this time, they have been amazing. I don't – you know, during a time where everyone is trying to stay at home and be safe, we've had the same guests that come over every day, not only to order food but to also bring us food to make sure that we're doing okay. And it was that, I think, that really kept us going. I was front of house making – Drinks, taking orders. Kia was back of house trying to get these orders out. Um, But it was not, there was no same day. Like every day was, there's something a little different, something that we're learning from. And so I think it really took us back into, you know, when you first opened your restaurant, it was that same exhaustion, (laughs) but also exhilaration of, okay, we're back. We're going to do this. You know, this community is amazing. We're going to try and take care of them as much as they've taken care of us.
0: Well said. Um, Lulun, you touched on this briefly in terms of kind of describing who your uh, team is representative of, but I'd love to ask both of you, um, you know, we have seen the pandemic uh, be a lens through which a lot of racial disparity has been unearthed. Um, how did you both execute against this knowing your neighborhoods have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19? I know, Moonlin, you mentioned, um, the strong geriatric community in Chinatown and Yvette, you know, Harlem, we are uh, very populated here with, uh, African-Americans, people of color, oftentimes who are essential workers. So I'd love to get just your point of view there, um, in terms of execution and maybe even some of the things that you may have witnessed.
2: Sure. Um, Harlem has gone through a lot these past few months. Um, you know, not only from the ongoing effects of COVID, but to the amazing black lives matter uprising throughout June and then continuing today. Um, Fortunately, I'm so happy to see the neighborhood more alive and, and more vibrant in uh, the past few months, um, you know, with outdoor seating filling onto the streets. It's, it's really made a huge uh, difference. But, um, you know, folks are, are hurting. Um, as, in fact, today alone, I just went to deliver the meals Um, For WCK, we we cranked out 300 meals in the morning, and it it takes a tremendous amount of coordination for that to happen. But, um, you know, folks line up, um, and they are hurting, and they're hungry, you know, And, and a lot of these people have kids, and the kids are hungry. And I just... I just, you know, my heart just goes out and I wanted to do anything that I could to help, but honestly, World Central Kitchen is is doing the job in large part of what I think our government should be. Here it is, a nonprofit organization is doing the job that our government should. And there are a lot a lot of people in Harlem that are being left behind and less behind by the system. Um, and and it's it's really hard. It's really hard.
1: I feel like in Chinatown Chinatown I feel like is always the first neighborhood that's very dramatically affected, you know, from nine eleven and also the last one to get back on its feet. So nine eleven, and then with COVID, everyone touting it as the Chinese flu, that really hurt. The xenophobia, the racism, it was rampant. It was every single day, you know, I would be walking to work and some guy with my girlfriend and some guy came up next to us, like not even socially distanced, literally four inches away from her face and I was next to her. And he was like, motherfucker, go back to where you're from. I would see elderly women um, there, I was walking to Target and there was a gentleman opening up the door for everybody and then there was a senior Asian lady in her maybe 80s she was not too far behind everybody she was on her way there he let everyone in the door and right as she was about to approach he slammed the door and laughed and left so that's what I've been seeing on the daily here and through the crux of the pandemic, it was getting really, really bad to the point where the restaurant, we had to close it down at night. So we were only operating during the day. And that really hurt. For me, it's thinking of, you know, my mom, she's an immigrant from Taiwan and she doesn't speak English well. So if I were still in San Diego and our roles were reversed and she was here and to think of her getting either physically attacked or just verbally attacked in in a state where she already feels so othered, That really broke my heart. So during that time, with Rethink, we've been serving up 300 meals a day. Initially, it was for New York, Gotham Governor, and now we're providing 300 meals for Chinatown. And then independently of Kopitiam, my girlfriend Yin and I, we started Heart of Dinner, which is to focus on providing meals for homebound Mm -hmm. seniors during the pandemic. Um, Along with really amazing Mm -hmm. restaurant friends, we've been providing care packages and hot meals. Mm -hmm uh for about 1400 seniors every Wednesday cuz Wednesday's my only day off in the restaurant and just having that sense of community together has been the saving grace through this pandemic for me personally.
0: Yeah, I love that and it's um you know, through trials and tribulations there's often so much glimmer of hope toward the end of what seemed to be can seem to be an ongoing kind of affair. Um, but you uh, segue quite nicely, Moonlin, in terms of mentioning your community-oriented initiative, Heart of Diner. So I'd love to just hear a little bit more about the inspiration behind that idea and, you know, maybe some of the most recent milestones that you've garnered. Because um, I know it was an initiative that was already um, present prior and then obviously now really embracing community efforts. So I'd love to just get a little bit of uh, some information there. There on, on your initiative?
1: Sure. So Heart of Dinner, it was started in 2015 in LA when I was living over there. Uh, LA was a really difficult city for me to acclimate to. I don't know what it was, but it just felt really cold to me. And so during that time, I was really craving you know, my mom and her home-cooked meals. And so my girlfriend and I, we would invite people, strangers, over to our home, and I would cook for them. And then it would be on a donation-based Uh, such as donation-based proceeds. And we would donate all those proceeds off to No Kid Hungry during that time. And the idea was to bring that over to New York when we moved here. But given how small the space is and your home, you can barely fit two people. And so also opening up a restaurant during that time, we decided to put that on hold. When the pandemic hit, my girlfriend, she was just researching and doing all these like reading to see which who needed the most help in terms of food during this time and we, we were reading about what i mentioned before you know elders not having food going hungry a lot of times these seniors they had 24 hour health aides around them but a lot of these aides they weren't going to work or they also didn't want to get the seniors sick so that's when we decided to let's let's feed the seniors so initially It was just the two of us, and we were paying for everything out of our own pockets. And we thought, you know, 200 200 meals sounds great, right? So we would call the social service organizations and ask them, how many seniors can we help provide meals for? And their answer was, well, how many meals can you provide? And we're like, no, no, just give us a number and we'll make it happen. They're like, no, 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 I think you should really give us a number. Um, Each of our buildings, we service upwards to 3,000 seniors, and they're all hungry. And we're like, oh okay, so 200 it's gonna make a little baby blip So that's when we brought up our restaurant partners right away and we hit our 20,000 meal milestone two weeks ago. We just filed for a 40501c3 and that has just gone through a couple of days ago. We haven't even announced it yet and well, congratulations Thank you Thank <laughs> you okay. so much you <laughs> Thank you. so that's where we're at now. We're really excited to keep pushing forward unfortunately well initially my girlfriend and i we thought this was going to be a temporary um relief efforts fund um we were going to stop july 1st thinking that you know the government would finally step in and do a little more for our communities but unfortunately it backfired and they're actually de Blasio just took away a bunch of funding for all these social service organizations that we've been helping and so they've been asking if we can stay on and push through so we're kind of trying to work that out everything is very organic our funds are through peer-to-peer donations so for us honestly it's just however long we can sustain that's how long we're going to keep
0: pushing forward absolutely amazing and and wonderful wonderful updates thank you so much for sharing that with us Um, My next question, and you both kind of touched on this, mentioning Moonlin, your girlfriend, Yvette, your husband and your mother. I love uh, that both of you work alongside very closely to your families. And I would love to talk about how your relationships have adjusted or how they've sustained as your business has transitioned to uh, pivoting and feeding your communities, but still working closely with uh, your family members.
2: Yeah. Um, well, my mother has always been a great source of inspiration for me. Um, we're incredibly close. I'm an only child. And she and my father raised me with the thought that like I could be anything that I wanted to be in life. Um, anything that you can conjure up, there weren't going to be limitations that, Blackness was beautiful, and so was I, and anybody who didn't see that or had a problem with that, literally, that was their problem and that they were entitled to their opinion. Um, She always fostered uh, an independent thinking and, above all, creativity. Um, I think creativity is a big one. Um, being a chameleon in this business has really served me very well. You don't have to go with the flow. You can think outside the box. And ultimately, you'll always cultivate a customer that is attracted to what you are putting forth. So you don't have to look over your shoulder ever in this business. Um, You don't have to constantly compare yourself creativity affords you opportunities to reimagine. She also taught me a lot about abundance thinking um, that when you give, you will always have. And um, I've I've worked with my mother in various ways for many years. Um, Throughout my childhood, my mother owned her own children's clothing boutique. So I very much grew up in this sort of mom-and-pop shop um, vein, and, uh, you know, she was an entrepreneur, and I later joined her in the business after graduating from Barnard College. Then, after I got married to my wonderful husband, Adrian, an opportunity presented itself for me to own my own boutique in Grand Central Terminal, and there, uh, you know, the dynamic duo of my mother and I were, were back with another location, And one of the things that I think makes us great working together is that we understand each other's strength and we don't take ourselves too seriously. She really lets me poke fun at her. And we laugh, like laugh a lot. She's an incredible personality. And honestly, for many, she's actually the heart and soul of the restaurant. She's like the face um and being older since she was at high risk um and without the guests really coming inside to dine uh it didn't really necessarily make sense for her to be there um so she's been there a little bit but it's been a little bit of a challenge for me honestly not to have my mom's energy around this space right now um it's one of the things that have really changed most for me is uh not to have her around but doing my best. And it's still quite a lively and vibrant and convivial atmosphere, especially with our outside cafe that we have right now. It's really bustling. I mean, I've taken a wraparound space. I've occupied the side uh, along 119th Street. I've occupied the frontage uh, on Frederick Douglass Boulevard. So Shanika, you have to come come up and see what I've done there. It's been a lot of unfolding little, little nuggets every week. I'm like, oh, I'm going to decorate this. And I decorated the tree and it's lit. It's, it's really happy. It's really <laughs> happy up there. You have to come. For sure.
0: It's so interesting you mentioned because I have been bike riding and seeing the developments. I've grabbed a couple pastas, but I missed you. So, really oh. happy to hear those updates and definitely miss seeing your mom around. She definitely is the face, but happy that you guys have pivoted. Um, Moon Lin, oh. back to you. Uh, you You're question. so
1: inspiring. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> wow, <that's> so <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> what new? wow. I'm sitting here like, Wow. <laughs> I, I feel like for relationships, um, COVID has definitely been a very interesting time in regards to relationships. Not, not only romantically, but, you know, work relationships, friend relationships where, you know, everyone handles something like this a little differently. Um, people mobilize in different ways. And so I felt during this time for the restaurant, I had to really step in and fill many roles. And that really left me really exhausted, honestly. But there were acquaintances through the industry that I met just prior to COVID. We weren't friends, were not we are acquaintances on the border of becoming friends, but it was really with them. I don't think I would have been as calm and okay during this time if it wasn't for these amazing people that I met during this time on that with my romantic relationship with yin I'm very happy to say that we work very very well together um it's been we've been dating for six years so we were joking about it the other day if heart of dinner was just started when we just started dating I don't know how it would (laughs) have I don't know how it would have went but you know been living with each other for six years now you you know like what Yvette was mentioning earlier your strengths your weaknesses and we're both so open to letting each other just really hone in on that that it's been an amazing partnership with her and I'm just so excited to know that you know we've kind of broken through the whole stereotype of don't work with your family don't work with your friends and it's been really amazing working with her and I'm just constantly inspired and blown away by her.
0: I love that. Um, yes, this time has certainly shown us um, who we can really just embrace, who we can be vulnerable with, and and what we can work toward together. So I love both of your uh, stories. So thank you so much for, for those two points. Um, just a couple last questions before our time together is up. But... Um, that you had mentioned this subtly in terms of how you've been decorating and embracing the utility of the outdoor space and I think that speaks to how we're all just embracing uh, this new way of living and working how are you both learning to explore more whether that's in your own neighborhoods or your homes um, you know I know that we are still very much limited sometimes to the you know perimeters of our neighborhood or block but I think there's something to be said about that exploration bit and how how we as humans can really still embrace the beauty in the moment. So I'd love to just get a point of view. I know Moonlin, you had mentioned Wednesday is your only day off, but how um, might you both be kind of experiencing that exploration?
2: Oof. Ooh, no. <laughs> I have a big, wonderful, fluffy, friendly dog. Um, by the name of Tano he's an Italian spinone breed and it's just I love to walk him in the mornings and I've been exploring other areas of the park and just you know it's it's you know almost cliched sometimes when you say just go take a walk in the park but have you actually just changed up your air sometimes and I think that it's been really therapeutic for me to go and I go I like to go early um before the sun gets too too hot and of course he's pulling me anyway but um just exploring other places in the park to just take a little left turn instead of a right and um just kind of the movement and the expansiveness of you know we 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 live i live in a very confined you know my my neighborhood um, where I live, my commute to work is only seven blocks. It's amazing and it's convenient. And for all its wonderfulness, it, it is um, super convenient. But it also sometimes, especially I think in COVID, it's made me feel a little bit more um, confined. And just taking that walk and doing something that's a little bit out of the routine has been for me um, a real, you know, a source of joy.
1: I want to meet your dog. So we really cool. wanted to foster a dog during this time, but we didn't know how uh, insane the schedule was going to be. So glad that didn't pan out. That wouldn't be very fair to the dog. <laughs> yeah. But, ah, uh, so we haven't had a day off since mid-February. So I've been working seven days a week. And the who, exploration, traveling, has been such a big part of my DNA. So it was really, really hard the past couple months not having that time. So just to make change things up a little bit, but to be productive and proactive at the same time. Explorations have ended up being, you know, visiting friends or visiting um, our restaurant partners through heart of dinner and just checking in on them and saying hi, bringing them some food or gifts. So it kind of ventures out into this three block radius that I tend to be around. Really excited to share that just last last Wednesday, a really kind lady who she just bought a campground in the Catskills, and so she's turning into a like an airstream outing space, which is amazing. She gifted Yin and I because she heard about Heart of Dinner. Um, two nights at her at her place, and we're like, oh, it. how how are we gonna make this work? So we had to push our Wednesday Heart of Dinner drops. To Monday and just figuring out all that out escaped really quickly for two days and was just able to reset in nature for two days. Even though I was still getting, you know, you can't escape work, so at least you get to see trees while you're (laughs) being a little stressed out. But that really made the like world of a difference. And so since then, we've promised ourselves that you know we're not going to be able to take trips once a month. But what we can do is maybe find a local hike, even if it's a quick half hour outside of the Lower East Side, make it intentional to go into another area that we haven't really been to. And just, you know, kind of trick the brain a little bit. And hopefully, you know, with things opening up back up a little bit more, there will be more um, experiences to be had.
0: Absolutely. I love it. And I I totally understand tricking the brain, Yvette, to your point of, Exploring the park, I've always gone my same route, but yeah, being able to switch it up, take a little turn and and allow yourself to just embrace those small moments of joy. Totally hear you both there. Mm -hmm. Um, Next question. So in season one of Pineapple Radio, we traditionally asked our guest, what do you pine for? And so for those new to the concept, it's our guiding philosophy at Pineapple and the idea that admiring other women, women-powered companies, products, is what creates community. So in the spirit of tradition, we'd love to know what you both are pining for right now. It could be a person, place, an idea, or a thing.
2: You know, I have a wonderful customer who has made an incredible line of candles. It's called Harlem Candle Company. And they're all in the vein of Harlem and the Renaissance. And she has a particular one that is Josephine Baker. And that scent is to die for. And just lighting this candle to me has been a sense of joy and, um, just wanted to put it out there. This is, um, African American woman doing this incredible business. And I'm just so proud of her. And I just love her line so much. And I just wanted to um, give a shout out to Terry. Terry, your, your line of candles is amazing. Harlem candle company.
0: I love it. And what an appropriate name, powerful name at that. Josephine Baker. How about
1: you? I love chocolates and, Susanna Yoon of Stick With Me Sweets. She creates these beautiful bonbons that I think she makes <clears> on the daily, and they are delicious. Usually, when I see bonbons, I'm like, mm, okay, it might be a little too sweet for me. Uh, but if you just if you go on Google and Google Stick With Me Sweets, each chocolate is hand painted and hand filled, and her flavors rotate. And also on top of that, she is the kindest, like sweetest person you would ever meet and she's right in Alita and so that's been kind of like a weekly treat. i'll swing by grab a little box of bonbons or some caramels and get me through the week as a little treat at the end of the day so Susanna is she's amazing so i hope everyone gets to try her chocolates they're so good
0: Yum. Chocolates and candles. It's like mm-hmm. Valentine's Perfect. Day yeah. in August. Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. All right. Our final question. So this question is from our friends at Chase Sapphire. Um, you've done such incredible work to support your communities, both of you, and I'm sure you've inspired others. So what's something another restaurant has done to connect you with customers during this time that's in or inspired you? I know, Moonlin, you have uh, replied or mentioned some of your acquaintances, but would love to get uh, both of your answers to that question.
1: At Kopitiam, um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, our friend Sam from Golden Diner, he reached out and he was like, hey, do you want to work on something together, you know, just to help bring more awareness to Chinatown and to our restaurants? And so, what he ended up proposing was we make this, uh, what is it called, like a treasure trail of different restaurants in the area and each restaurant would offer a different offering and so kopitiam was one of them and we were offering our kaya jam so the idea is you would buy this pass for 20 dollars, and you would have five restaurants on it and you can go to each restaurant and get their offering and then we would hole punch it and so many people had so much fun doing i think it was called the good hood deals and that we would After that, we would just be meeting all these people coming through all the time. And then a lot of them would come back because they love the Kaya Jam so much. They want to try the other dishes. So sense of community and collaboration has really gotten us through this pandemic.
2: Cool. Well, we received a a nice shout out from Marcus Samuelson. Um, In one publication recently, he was asked what he is looking forward to and he said he was looking forward to having a glass of wine at vinateria's patio and that was such a lovely 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 shout out i concur marcus i concur he's always so magnanimous and honestly um it just is a testament to him he's always pulling in people, talking about people, connecting people is really, really an incredible example. And I just wanted to let him know how much that meant to me. And yes, um, we got uh, quite a few people mentioning that they saw that. So thank you, Marcus. (laughs) Amazing. Congratulations.
0: Yes, wonderful. Well, Yvette Moonlin, I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, really, really appreciate your insights, sharing your experience, and wishing you both the best. Moonlin, if when I make it down, I am biking. Um, my bike rides have not been as ambitious as getting from Harlem <laughs> all the way down to the <laughs> Lower East Side, but I look forward to make well, it worth it. Okay, yes. you
1: got to bike down and come visit both of you, Yvette. Please, <laughs> when you find yourself down here, please. Come visit. Would
2: love to. You have no idea. I'm so coming.